The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters only and do not represent the official views of any city, county, or state government. This information is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon in lieu of consultation with an appropriate legal advisor. Listener discretion is advised. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when we come for you? The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. and cinephiles welcome back to geek and the cop the only podcast to talk about the real police work and real fake films i'm jeff todd aka the geek creator of one perfect shot and daily grindhouse he is our good friend detective and an actual true blue detective here to help us break down clint eastwood's 1990 film the rookie i should say clint eastwood's non-dirty harry but feels like a dirty harry movie called the rookie uh, this movie's about a cop who doesn't play by the rules. Sound familiar? Who's paired with, you guessed it, a rookie. Detective Andy, are you a Clint Eastwood fan? I'm normally a Clint Eastwood fan. I'm normally a Charlie Sheen fan. Here's the thing with the rookie. Just, I couldn't tell. This this movie felt like it wanted to be a vehicle for someone, and I couldn't tell if it was trying to be a vehicle for Clint Eastwood or for Charlie Sheen or for Raul Julia and what or the Tom Skerritt. What the fuck was Raul Julia doing in this? <laughs> he's got those pug eyes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and it was distracting for the entire movie, and he doesn't look German at all. No. In fact, this is the opposite of whitewashing. Because in this case, they, they were supposed to, they wanted a German actor, so of course you find a Puerto Rican, right? Well, there was even some, <laughs> some internet chatter about the stupidity of casting him as a, a German. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about uh, someone's casting choices. No. Um, I'm, I'm here to talk about how fucking weird this movie was and how I couldn't figure out if it was meant for Clint Eastwood or Charlie Sheen or two completely different people. And they just happen to get lucky and get these guys. So they're like, <laughs> fuck it. Let's put Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen in it. But Clint Eastwood directed it. So, yeah. Yeah, he directed it. But I'm convinced he just fell asleep in the director's chair as soon as the camera started rolling. <laughs> it's really it's it's the only logical explanation for this movie. Oh, There's a lot point. of explanations. Debts to Chinese bookies are no no small matter, my friend. Nope. All right, before we get started, you can and should follow us on Twitter at Geek and the Cop. You can follow me at the Jeff Todd, and you can find Detective Andy at DET Andy underscore Geek Cop. If you're new to the show, thanks for finding us. And if you're returning, welcome back. Our show is pretty simple. Each episode, we break down a police film from both my perspective, the geek, and then Detective Andy, the cop, looks at the police work of the film and shines the mighty light of truth on our subject. Uh, be sure to stick around after the show for our original motion picture soundtrack cut from today's film. We'll be playing uh, the rookie end credits theme composed by Lenny Niehaus, a longtime Eastwood collaborator since, I think, Tightrope. 
I could be wrong on that, but I think that's I think that's true. Niehaus is getting up there in age uh, and hasn't been doing scores for some time, but but Eastwood and Niehaus had a very strong kind of Williams Spielberg relationship. But anyway, it's a cool score. It's very jazzy. You can really hear Eastwood's jazz influence um, throughout the. Um, the score for the film. It doesn't always totally match the action that's going on. That's one of the problems I have with the movie, Uh, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, let's get back to the rookie. Clint Eastwood has had a long and storied career, so we're not really going to rehash that at all. But what I will say is that the 1990s for Eastwood really defined him as a director. He had already directed a lot of films by 1990 and the results were always kind of mixed. I think it took him a long time to find himself as a director. You know, it probably started a year or two uh, before The Rookie with Eastwood's Bird, but in 1990, he did White Hunter, Black Heart, um, and then he went on to do Unforgiven, Perfect World, which is a film we'll cover at some point. I think it's one of his best. Uh, Bridges of Madison County, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Um, The following decade, he goes on to do uh, Mystic River, Gran Torino, Million Dollar Baby. You know, in 1993, he wins... Best Picture for Unforgiven. He wins Best Director for Unforgiven. Then in 2005, he wins for Best Picture and Best Director for Million Dollar Baby. So you can see this. I mean, when everything starts coming together is the 1990s for Clint Eastwood as a director. As an actor, he's always been there. But as a director, it was the 1990s when he really started to come into his own and realize what a Clint Eastwood film looked like. Um, but he still has films like The Rookie peppered throughout his his career, even to this very day. Uh, movies that aren't good, maybe lean a little towards the, the formulaic. But Eastwood loves making movies. And as a result, it never really looks like he says no to a whole lot. One look at his IMDb page and you can really see that's kind of a mixed blessing. When when he's good, he represents the best habits of like Don Siegel, a blue collar director who made a bunch of movies with Eastwood, including Dirty Harry. And that's funny because Don Siegel would nail a film like The Rookie. You know what I mean? He would nail a movie like this that has these big, huge action set pieces that that should have a lot of energy. The biggest problem with with The Rookie is it doesn't it doesn't have any energy. You know, it has some interesting moments. It has some spectacular stunt work. Big, huge action set pieces. But everything else just kind of falls flat. And Don Siegel would kill a film like this. Because this film feels very much like a Dirty Harry movie. And honestly, it probably should have been a Dirty Harry movie. That's I, I was just going to say that. Because it, it was almost as if like Dirty Harry uh, is getting ready to retire. And he gets paired with... Charlie Sheen. You know what I'm saying? I agree 100%. They should have leaned into that more is the problem. Let me go back. The problem is it should have been a Dirty Harry movie. I mean, this is a Dirty Harry character. He has the Dirty Harry one-liners. This should have been a Dirty Harry film. This this should have been the next film after Deadpool. It's it's what this was. I mean, it's essentially what this was. It's your same... He was very, very Dirty Harry-y, right? Yeah. Even to the point of he's executing people just willy-nilly. Um... And I think that's where it kind of went wrong, maybe. And that was probably part of why it felt so wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They should have have uh, the movie has no idea who these characters are is is that's my that's my biggest complaint. 
And because the movie doesn't have any idea who the characters are, we don't care about anything that's going on there. And the actors aren't giving us in, aren't doing us any favors because their performances are so incredibly lifeless here. I mean, nobody has a fucking pulse in this movie. Uh, and it, it starts with Eastwood and it goes all the way down to the guy who's, who's playing the chief behind the desk. And the reason why I'm kind of obsessed with the the lack of energy in this movie is because I know who wrote this movie. The Rookie was written by Scott Spiegel and Boaz Yakin. Boaz Yakin's a fantastic director in his own right. If you've never seen Fresh, uh, about an African-American kid trying to get out of um, a pretty crummy neighborhood using the skills he learns while playing chess uh, with Sam Jackson, um, you need to see that. Hunt Down Fresh. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, Scott Spiegel is um, a kind of for-hire director, but he is a better writer than a director. He he uh, directed films in like the Hostel franchise, the From Dust Till Dawn franchise. And more importantly, he wrote the Evil Dead films with Sam Raimi. And um, he's kind of Bruce Campbell has called him the Forrest Gump of Hollywood because everything seems to be connected to this guy. He is um, including like, I don't know if Quentin Tarantino has the career he does, if not for Scott Spiegel, because Scott Spiegel introduced Tarantino to uh, some pretty important people. Um, and he's a he's a just a ball of energy. He is um, a really cool guy. Um and he has an incredible oh, sense cool. of humor and timing, which is why I think the this goes down to the um, the delivery or or Eastwood's interest in the project. And this is all just pure speculation on my part. But I know Eastwood commissioned the the rookie, right? Because he, he, he I I talked to Scott when uh, one of the films he wrote, The Intruder, was going. Uh, was getting released on Blu-ray back in the Daily Grindhouse days. And I remember him telling me stories about talking to Clint Eastwood in the office and fashioning this project. I know that Eastwood spent a lot of time on set with Charlie Sheen, kind of coaching him through a pretty tough time um, with some of Sheen's dependency issues. Uh, and, and so I, I don't know if there was too much going on on this set for Eastwood at the time. And because of that, nothing feels right about this movie. Um, on the other side, maybe I'm reading way too much into this. Maybe it's just not a good movie. But it's just there's something not right about this film. The tone is just so flat and flat to the point where I get obsessed with it. Like I'm trying to figure out what is happening with this movie. It's just such a little oddity. But... Just like Eastwood's career is, you know, he makes these brilliant films and then they, they're kind of peppered with these kind of mundane, uh, formulaic films. The Rookie is kind of a microcosm of that because I think The Rookie has these brilliant moments uh, inserted into it, uh, these brilliant action set pieces, but then the film as a whole just kind of falls apart. And it's just it's just kind of too formulaic to give a shit about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I think this this isn't representative of, of Eastwood's ability as a director. It's just one of those missteps, one of those missteps on his way to making another brilliant film, which he which he so often does. All right, crime fires and cinephiles. This is the trailer for Clint Eastwood's The Rookie. As soon as the trailer's over, Detective Andy's gonna tell us where the film went right and where it went horribly, horribly wrong from a law enforcement perspective. And man, this one set the record. A little early for Christmas shopping, ain't it? Who's up front in the cab? Santa Claus. 
I'm the Tooth Fairy. Clint Eastwood is Sergeant Nick Polovsky, what you might call a seasoned cop. Charlie Sheen is Detective David Ackerman, what you definitely call a rookie. Good work, kid. Now read them their rights. You think I like dragging around after you all day? I hate it. And I hate the way you drive. Shut up. hundred reasons why I don't blow you away. Right now, I can't think of one. It's time for me to stop being scared. For other people to start. When I go, I go with a bang. Fasten your seatbelt. Clint Eastwood, Charlie Sheen, Raul Julia, Sonia Braga. The Rookie. You're too far from your thoughts, am I? From my nightmares is more like it. Oh, does the fun ever start? So, uh, you know, we got to cover the elephant in the room here. Which is this this movie we did at the request of our fan. Yeah, it was um it was Eric Oh fuck, I should have written that down. But I'm nothing if not unprofessional. Uh, I think it was Eric Sylvester. Is that what we should just call him? Yeah. I I think it's right. I think. <laughs> yeah, it should go over well. If you guys have a film that fits into our format, um let us know on Twitter. Um just just send us a tweet and let us know and, and odds are we'll uh, we'll we'll be able to work it in somewhere. Um it should really get us more fans. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a community outreach effort. But so he's, you know, the first scene, like going in without the backup. And he was absolutely right. But the whole fucking movie Whoa. was like that. <laughs> it wasn't just the first scene. It was the whole movie. These two assholes or just one of them because the other one's tied up. Yeah. Um, going alone on everything with no backup whatsoever. And again, we're in L.A. It's the whole where the hell is the entire rest of the LAPD uh, syndrome that we get into on some of these movies. Yeah, so let's set this up. The movie opens with Eastwood and his partner busting a car theft ring by themselves with zero backup. And as if that wasn't enough, Eastwood pops around into a windshield without being provoked, which is awesome for us, but horrible if you're an actual police officer. A little early for Christmas shopping, ain't it? Who's up front in the cab? Santa Claus. I'm the Tooth Fairy. Try again. You know, and as fun as that scene is, it makes me think about what the Lethal Weapon series does so well. You know, like Martin Riggs always has a a reason for firing his weapon. I say Martin Riggs because he's usually firing his weapon more than Murtaugh is. But, you know, there's a there's there's something that prompts him to do that. You know, on the Christmas tree lot, he pulls his weapon just after he thinks he's about to be threatened to go you know, after he's he's thrown his his badge on the table. And then if you think about Lethal Weapon 2, like the um like the fish tank scene, let's say. You know, but he he when he shoots that fish tank, he and you know, he's shooting that fish tank to escape. 
you know, there's a reason for him to do that. And and there's and and the rookie consistently comes up with these brilliant action scenes that start with no real narrative purpose. Like the scene just after Sheen and and Eastwood get together, they go to their first call and Sheen gets out of his car with his with his weapon drawn. It's like they're going into this this restaurant or whatever and Sheen's got his weapon out and Eastwood has to tell him to put it away. It's like neither one of them have any idea how to do their job. There's literally and why would you cause the pa- why would you want to cause the panic? But anyway, you can't even discuss the rest of the police work in the film. There, there really isn't any because it's just these two guys like flat hatting around L.A. doing what the fuck they want. No, you can't critique it because at the end, the beautiful thing is we don't have to worry about a sequel because both these asshole cops are in prison at the end of this movie. Yeah, one's in jail for murder and arson and then the other's in jail for just plain old murder. Yeah, no, they, Clint Eastwood literally, Clint Eastwood murdered the villain at the end like he he murdered him he put a bullet through his brain the guy was laying there shot he even says you got to get a, you got to get a you got to get an ambulance now ha 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 and Eastwood says nah not this time and he shoots him between the eyes he's in he's in an airport all that's on film he's going to jail man's got to live up to his word There's got to be a hundred reasons why I don't blow you away. Right now, I can't think of one. Because we had to throw back to the first line in the movie where it's like, I can think of a hundred reasons why you shouldn't smoke that cigar. Uh, and, and he's all like, well, I can't think of any now, right? So we got we to gotta bring that back in at the end because why not? <laughs> I love that Detective Andy's coming in hot on this episode. <laughs> Sorry, I completely flew off on a, a we'll call it a rage tangent. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, there are a couple donut scenes in this movie that do make me want to shove every single donut in the world into my face hole. It really does. And uh, Charlie Sheen has he enjoys the Homer Simpson donuts, whereas Clint Eastwood prefers the plain cake. It appears. You think I like dragging around after you all day? I fucking hate it. And I can drive, and I hate your stinking whiskey breath. I hate your uptight, regulation-spouting, Boy Scout horseshit. And I hate the little fucking creases in your pants. And I hate these fucking donuts. These fruitcake little ones with the with the goddamn pinky shit on top. Nobody eats that shit. I think Starbucks killed the donut cop mythology. Is that is that even a thing now? No. I, I know this will really... It'll, ups, it'll upset the listener, but <laughs> they don't really eat that many donuts anymore. That's too bad. Do you? No, I don't eat a lot of donuts. See, I'm trying to keep keep a svelte-ish oh, me figure. Me too, me uh, too. Yeah, I, I didn't eat five donuts by myself at all yesterday. Well, we aren't going to get out of here without talking about Charlie Sheen's barroom brawl slash attempted murder slash arson fight. Well, there's 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 bar uh, Charlie Sheen ass whooping and there's bar Charlie Sheen getting his revenge. Like, because this is brilliant to me. This So he has a scene early on in the film where he gets his ass kicked in this bar. And then he comes back. I wouldn't say coked up. He's coked up on revenge. And he uh, he not only burns the bar down, but he blows like pure alcohol. Like he blows a flame, like lights a lighter and blows alcohol onto this guy's face, catching him on fire. <laughs> uh, and then proceeds to shoot all the bottles behind. You know, like in From Dust Till Dawn in the beginning when... Um, 
Gordon and Seth shoot the shoot the bottles out. Uh, he he does that and lights the whole bar on fire. Um, but not 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 exactly model police behavior. No, no, especially the whole like burn this motherfucker down when he goes back. Right, <laughs> it was perfectly normal up until he burned the place down. That was the breaking. Yes. Come on, motherfuckers! Like fucking games. Come on! arson man like you're gonna go to jail for that like you don't have a reason to do that there's no you don't legal... make friends with arson no no pretty sure i learned that in a simpsons episode or from burning my friend's house down there it is crime fighters and cinephiles if you take away one thing from this week's show just remember you don't make friends with arson or salad don't forget to stay tuned after my little spiel here for Lenny Niehaus' end credits theme for The Rookie. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Geek and the Cop and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Geek and the Cop. You can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Todd. That's Jeff with a G like the goddamn giraffe. Detective Andy can be found at D-E-T Andy underscore Geek Cop. That's D-E-T Andy underscore Geek Cop. We'll be back very soon with a look at John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 in addition to the top five John Carpenter films of all time. To the men and women behind the badge, we tip our hats to you. To the geeks, here's the good watching. Salute! What are you doing? Get in the fucking car. Say goodbye to your Polak. Fasten your seatbelt. Are you fucking crazy?